Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to it like Dan Red Wings. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 29th, 2021. You need more hockey news, and Lockdown NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Lockdown NHL today, wherever you get podcasts. Speaking of the NHL and the, the rest of the league and what's going on in the world of hockey tonight, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals was Monday night. We're going to go over that in segment one. And then in segments two and three, we're going to name, um, we're just going to start putting guys on our wish list for offseason UFAs. Um, in segment two, we're each going to name a forward that we'd like to see the Red Wings pursue in free agency, or even just throw out a name that you, know, that you could see the Red Wings pursuing in free agency. And then in segment three, we're going to do the same thing, but we're each going to pick a defenseman. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Let's welcome in the boys. I'm Nolan Bianchi. I got Ethan Smith with me. I got Scotty Bentley here with me. The boys are buzzing. What's going on, fellas? Hey, how's it going? I'm Good still hacked, here. by the way. Yeah. Be here. In case anybody's wondering. Do we, have, do we have any update on that? Um, so, <laughs> yes. And the update is that there is no update. Actually, the update is that Twitter is even more um, like incompetent and just structurally broken than I uh, even anticipated. So, I mentioned on yesterday's show, I gave the whole saga. I was much more downtrodden on yesterday's show. Still don't have my account. Still pretty downtrodden. Not going to lie to you guys. But I hadn't heard a single thing. Like hundreds of people I knew were reporting this account. They were reporting all of their tweets, yada, yada. Nothing happened. No response from Twitter except for a few automated, hey, we got your report messages. So the folks at Lockdown, the kind folks at Lockdown, reached out to the people that we know at, at Twitter to see if they could escalate things because, um, you know, I have access to a lot of different accounts through my account. Um, and basically they said that they'll, they'll get on it as quickly as they can, but they were out of office. Um, how nice. a, uh, company tasked with monitoring the behavior of 353 million people, ever thinks it's okay to go out of office. I have no idea. Like what if that was legit private information that they were putting up on, you know, like what, like I, I, it just blows my mind. And like, that has just made me angrier and angrier as this thing has gone on is that there's literally nothing I could do to like get their attention. Like there were a couple, um, there were a couple tweets that like the guy was tweeting at people and they were, I mentioned yesterday, they were like joking about how they were going to threaten the people who held the accounts and like things like that. And I kept forwarding these to Twitter and being like, Hey, look, admission of guilt, admission of crime, please help me nothing. So uh, as we sit here on Monday night, um, almost a full 48 hours after I was first notified that somebody had entered my account, uh, still absolutely zero action from the website. So that is the update. Pretty, pretty bummer. I mean, at least people are sticking their necks out for you. Their yeah. Yeah. Locked on. At least they've they're yeah. able to contact people. Yeah. Um, so yeah the, uh, the, the squeaky oil, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It's 11. Okay. So, yeah, so <laughs> I messed up my words there. So I don't know I if I said bothering this, them. I can't remember if I said this at the top, but 
my account was actually sold last night. So I woke up this morning, new account owner, um, no longer like all Arabic in the bio and stuff like that. Now it just says the bio says rent car with a little police car. And, um, and the, the, they changed the Twitter name to VIP group. Um, they deleted all of the tweets that the hacker made and then just retweeted like hundreds and hundreds of prayers um, in Arabic onto my timeline and a bit more wholesome at least so yeah but he also blocked everybody that i follow he did and I'm, so i'm blocked on, on you block me i'm blocked I know, on my weird. account and weird. locked on tigers I'm, and I'm blocked <laughs> on both. it was like some accounts were randomly not blocked so like my sports media uh you twitter account which is pretty much defunct um at this point but i i fired it up because i wanted to monitor this i went on that one i wasn't blocked on that one like we still follow each other so then i dm'd him on that and i um i uh, i will pull it up real quick i'm not expecting him to get back to me said hey what's up friend? i said i said give me my account back please and then 10 minutes later i said hey what's the deal buddy and then four hours later i said hello Hold why, out the buddy why do you hate me why are you being so malicious to a stranger you preach love on your timeline and yet you are showing me so much hate you block my followers from seeing your message and for what? So still waiting on a response from that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, game one, Stanley Cup finals. <laughs> Sorry to everybody doesn't care about my Twitter hacking issue, but I feel like a, a pretty good amount of people like are aware of it. Like if you're on Twitter, you know what's going on. And like you saw everything that was getting posted yesterday. So um, anyways, let's talk about game one. The Lightning win five to one. I don't know that I expected this game to go any differently. I think I expected maybe Montreal to hang in there a little bit better. I still personally am going to throw out there. I think Montreal is going like I'm still picking them to win the series. I had them picked coming in. I don't feel very good about that, uh, but we'll start with you guys. What did you make of this game one? And was it any different than what you were expecting from the first game of the series? I thought it was going to be a bit more competitive. Um, quick goal didn't help. I didn't see a goal that was really Price's fault either. So that's just another bad sign too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I Dude, it's just to have five put on you in the first game. And then, I mean, that's just the first game, man. I have a bad feeling that Montreal might squeak out one or two tops. But Jesus, Tampa just looks like a team that's $20 million over the salary cap. Hey, but, I mean, yeah. Hey, uh, I, not that I mean, whatever. Hey, yeah. they found a loophole. That's yeah. good on them. That uh, that comment that was made after the game said, <laughs> literally said, "I feel like we're about to go up against a team that's twenty million dollars over the cap." <laughs> like that's that's it. Yeah, like you said, props to them. I guess props is maybe a weird word to use, but like found a loophole. They're taking advantage of it, and uh, it's. I I think at this point, I'm more looking at. Uh, I mean, they just looked like. The, the better team that's very cliche but it's true they dominated pretty much start to finish it was super anticlimactic until the little scuffle at the end there um i'm i'm more thinking about the, how this era of tampa bay lightning hockey is going to be remembered with with if they if they end up winning obviously i mean maybe we can talk about that later if you want to focus on just yeah. this game but uh, like, okay so i actually have a question about that in in a second but I, I do want to point out because this is obviously a very similar score to what the Canadians and Golden Knights look like in game one. Uh, Vegas wins four to one in game one. Obviously, the Habs come back. They win five uh, or four out of five um, and they end up taking 
that series. But there was a big, big difference in these two game ones. And I think Montreal looked much more declawed offensively. Um, and I went to go look up the stats to see where, where the discrepancy lied. In game one against Vegas, Montreal, according to Evolving Hockey, had 4.21 expected goals for, despite only scoring one. Monday night in Tampa, over halfway through the third period, they had an expected goals for total of 1.58. So just a drastically, drastically different offensive output. Um, I don't want to put too much stock in this game. I know that we might come back after games two or three and be like, hey, Nolan, I can't believe you didn't know that this was going to happen after what happened in game one. That's very That very well could happen. Um <clears throat> I don't know. I just like the Montreal. I feel like they just have, they got team of destiny vibes and I kind of just uh, like them. I don't know. I think Carrie price, like that's, that to me is a great equalizer. Obviously I think the one difference about this series is that yes, Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner and whoever else the uh, tabs faced in that is a very capable goaltender, but I don't think they have faced a goaltender like Vasilevsky uh, just yet. And you can say, you know, Oh, look at Fleury's numbers from the regular season, blah, blah. I get that. Um, but it's Andre Vasilevsky. And I, and I just don't know if you're going to have those slip-ups that allowed Montreal to get ahead in the series um, and stay ahead in the series that you got in the Vegas series. But um, quick hits, no Stanley Cup Finals logo on the ice. I know our man uh, Valeno from Twitter has been chirping the NHL about this since the start of the playoffs, but Stupid. it is extra lame now that it is in the finals and extra, extra lame because last year in the bubble, they not only had the Stanley Cup Finals slash Stanley Cup Playoffs logos in the offensive zones, but they also had a giant Stanley Cup as the center ice logo. And so it looked awesome. And then they went back to this, which looks plain as hell. And I was watching on CBCs and there was no logo on the ice at all. So I know that NBC was like digitizing it and going back and forth between that and advertising. Uh, CBC, no logos at all. You can barely tell it's the Stanley Cup Finals. And I don't need that to tell me it's the Stanley Cup Finals, but it helps. Yeah, I got it. I, I get you there. Just gotta recoup the gotta recoup the uh, money they lost during the pandemic. I know. Crazy. Apparently, I hate that. It's just gonna be an excuse to just do so many like shitty things that fans hate. It's just like we're, we're broke. Yeah, Woo. they start doing like they start adding uh, like. Yeah, like, don't 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 make me break out the transfer of wealth data. That has occurred right. during this pandemic. Right. Sex of shit. All right. Uh, Chris Chelios, last last quick hit here. Chris Chelios signed to ESPN uh, to do studio analysis. Um, I've heard a lot of crazy stories about Chris Chelios. Obviously an absolute legend of the game. One of the, I don't know, I was going to say biggest Iron Men, but one of the most Iron Iron Men <laughs> ever. One of the ironest. The, one of the, the most, yeah, the most Iron. Um just a, a legend in the game, going to bring something, I, I think, a lot of fun. And uh, we were talking about before we went on, just the – I'm so, so, so ready to just be done with these NBC analysts forever. The, to the moon. We were talking before this podcast started, and just to have Mark Messier and Chris Chelios lined up already and replacing these – good-looking NHL players that have absolutely zero personality on Mike. I cannot wait. Like, that's why when we were talking about, like, our, the people we want, that's why I wanted to throw Milbury in, just because he was a dick and it was Yeah, but there are so off. many different ways to have personality. Right. You've just been living in this NBC world for so long, you think that's the only way that you can get it. Okay, well, that's, that's not beside true. the point. Beside no, the point, it's no, that is the point. 
like it's not that I'm not saying like I still want Milbury. Like I'd rather have Chelios and Messi over him. But I'm just like just to get this crap that we've been watching out of my ears for was it seven years? Yeah, right. But this is Thank something God. again. Like this is something new. This is something that NBC probably wouldn't have done. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't think you know. Whatever. Um. Let's go to. Segment two, what do you guys think? Uh, first, I got to talk to the folks today about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, they're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years with the ever-increasing number of makes and models out there. It is now impossible to stock uh, your local chain auto parts store to store and all the parts you need. Why wouldn't you endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning uh, and wait while the counterman uh, orders the parts in his computer, choosing only the brand that his warehouse happens to carry, save time and money when using Rock Auto. Um, they're a family business. I just mentioned that they uh, all their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could ever need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore their easy to use website to find the solution to your auto part needs. Um, go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and just write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. It is rockauto.com. Senator got it to that Moving right in. Oh my God. All right, boys, segment two here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are looking uh, to name some UFAs that we think the Red Wings should go after this offseason. We're going to do the forward groups here in segment two. We're going to do the defense in segment two. We've each got one for each segment. Uh, Who wants to kick us off for the forward group? Alexander Ovechkin. Nice. For real. You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. It's – I think I, I kind of want to, I guess I just want to get your guys' opinion on this. I kind of did two more people that we might not target, but I kind of want to weigh the pros and cons with you guys. Okay. I have Thomas Tatar, who will most likely hit free agency. He is 30. And with, you know, potentially Helm leaving, Philpa is gone, most likely. Nielsen could be gone. We going to have a lot of young guys and not a lot of veterans to help guide this team. Um, and in him for at least another two, three years, which is realistically what we're going to sign him for. He hasn't played much in the playoffs had, I think it was 30 points in 50 games this year in Montreal. Mm-hmm. He's pretty, he did pretty good. Led them in scoring um, last season. Yeah, right. Exactly. So we have somebody who could, will give us 20 plus goals and at least 40 plus points and really kind of help us bring this youth movement to fruition. Um, that my thing with Tatar. I don't like, I don't know what to make of those. Like the fact that he just consistently gets healthy bombed in the playoffs. Like that to me is just like the biggest red flag, but we won't. Be and in the I, playoffs. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I mean, I think they can make a push for playoffs. Maybe if he were to sign this offseason in a second or third season. Um, like, I guess I'm trying to say I I don't think that signing him long term instantly means that we will be relying on him when we're good again. I think that there's a happy medium there, which can both be correct. I think he can be a, 
a solid whatever, whether it's second or third line, wherever you want to put him, like when we're good again and competitive again, and, and he can fill that role. I'm, I'm not sure he just because he would be one of the best players on, on one of the best forwards we have instantly. And when we're competitive again, hopefully he would be um, not one of the best forwards on the team when, when we're good again, in theory. You know what I mean? I think we're providing depth. I think both of those can be true, I guess, is my point. It, like, it, it's we're just in such a weird spot. Like, I, I'm not going to – 90% of, of these, like, top whatever, 30 free agents, 40 free agents, like, I, I'm not going to be against bringing on because of the current state of this roster. Like, I'm, I'm not going to put up too much rebuttal for really anybody, especially, like I said, especially in that top 20 to 25, 30 people, like – that they're all going to improve the team immediately. And if you, if they're in their late twenties or like 30 ish and you can lock them up for a few years, like, uh, you know, uh, again, if the money's right, obviously then, uh, then yeah, I, I have nothing against it. I, I think that's exactly where I'm at. And I've actually like, I've gone on record before saying that I, I would like the signing because I mean, you have Jonathan Bergen coming over, you have all these like speedy, wingers and uh i think one thing that tatar does is he obviously brings um a pretty high caliber of of experience in the nhl playing on the wing to your roster outside of you know what he brings just outside of point production i think he can be of service like i, I think he can be a valuable player if he's paired with the young guys and, and then joe valeno doesn't have to play with giovanni smith he can play with thomas tatar and that's not a slight on giovanni smith but, you know, and or that those were literally just two names that I thought of off the top of my head. But the point remains, um, you, you give your your lower guys better guys to play with. And I think that's that's the big reason why teams don't want to, like, fully commit to just playing kids. It's like, well, if these kids suck, then like the rest of the kids are going to suck, too. And I think one thing that Tatar does at least during the regular season is he brings a little bit of, of stability in that veteran experience. I do think that he could be useful playing with a guy like Bergen. Like he still has great speed. He still has a good scoring touch. Um, and I was actually watching a uh, interview with staff and Cronwall, who's Nicholas Cronwall's younger brother. Um, and he was basically saying that, that he wants Bergen basically to stop using the outside of the ice so much. And he wants him to, to cut towards the net more and make plays like that. And I think having a guy like Tatar, who's another speedy winger can make plays just to kind of compliment uh, that game and, and teach them a thing or two, maybe keep the cycle going instead of, you know, staying along the perimeter, using uh, that space in the center of the ice, whatever it may be. I think it would serve Bergen well to play with a veteran player in that sense. Um, and I think that goes for a lot of the younger guys too, when it comes to playing with Tatar. So again, I I'm, I'm going to echo what Scotty said. I have no reason to say no. Um, so I guess that's that's where I am. Uh, Scotty, what do you got for forwards? So uh, so my forward one, I went a little a lot more tame and like relatively realistic. And then with my defense, I went like, let's just go balls to the wall and make a huge splash. Perfect. I did um, the opposite. So, so Matthias Yanmark would be my uh, is my pull for forwards. I think a center depth. Love me some center depth, something that this team desperately needs. He's 28, so he's on the younger end of, of most of the free agents. His AAV would really not make 
even a, a significant dent at all in our salary cap situation. Um, probably a, a few mil. And um, I think that his, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I think his versatility is really like has experience on special teams, has experience on the second line, has experience on the fourth, like all over the place. He can play a multitude of positions, really a, a more of a jack of all trades offensively, at least. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think the ability to sign relatively cheap AAV center depth for a guy that's still in his late twenties, uh, I'm all about. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I get vibes of like Nemestikov from him. Um, so sure. it's, yeah, it's. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to really? use the word Nemestikov-esque. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. He's, he's, I think he'd be able to help more than maybe Nemestikov did just with younger players coming into our team and stuff like that. I think. They're the same age though. I, like I don't, I, 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 yeah, they're both 28. Um, and they have really similar point totals. If you look at like their, the history of their career, I think if anything, Nemestikov has had a couple better seasons point production wise. Nemestikov has had problems like creating consistently and really hitting that next level. Um, but he's had some big moments in, in recent playoffs and, um, I guess these last two years. So, uh, I don't know, it, it, a very Nemestikov esque signing. I, th- I think it is one of those things where it can go a lot of different ways. Once he signs on the dotted line, you know, he can be a valuable player and then you ship him off in his first year. He could not be valuable. And then he comes around. Like, I think that there are so many different outcomes. Um, I think that it would make me nervous because the Red Wings already have guys like, uh, Nemestikov and, like it just everybody in that third and fourth line is 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 a Yan mark to me last year. Fair enough. Absolutely. <laughs> totally fair. Um, I'm gonna get a little bit aggressive with my forward pick. And I'm going to pursue from the Montreal Canadiens, uh, center Philip Denault turned 40 or turned 28 in February, his last contract, three years at 9.3 million. Uh, we're gonna end with the cap implications and what the contract might look like and all that stuff in a second. Um, because I think that's gonna be the hang up for most people. But uh he's one of the best defensive centers in the game. He is a half point per game player. Um throughout basically his entire career. He's essentially Dylan Larkin too. Um, If he can be a shutdown number one center, I think he's a lot more defensively inclined and much more matured in that area of his game. But if he can be that, that shutdown number one center, number two center um, that's line matching with, with the other team's best lines and things like that, that will free up Dylan Larkin to play a more offensively creative game. Um, and who knows, maybe don't like, and that's the thing with like this whole one C thing. Like, yes, I do agree that the Red Wings need to find a one C, but I also think that you can open up, open up opportunities for Dylan Larkin to kind of wash that out a little bit um, by setting him up in the right situations. And I think that this would be doing exactly that because even if you end up with just two shutdown centers, um, I don't really think that's an issue. You got so much talent on the wings in the pipeline. Um, considering how bad your team is, the, the winger talent is not awful on your team. I mean, if you look at the top two lines right now, they got Pertuzzi, Fabry, Verana, uh, Zadina. And so once Bergeron come up, once Raymond come up, um, I'm not, I'm not 
that worried about how they're going to look on the offensive side of the ice. Um, and I think if you, you sign him right now, while the Red Wings still have a very, very, very clear need for that number one center, and while they don't have any plan in place to fix that through the draft, um, I, I think that making the signing now allows Valeno and it allows Rasmussen to uh, develop a little bit more. It puts less pressure on them to move up the lineup quickly uh, and all those sorts of things. Now we will get this part out of the way as well. Evolving hockey's contract projection as I'm at seven years for 6.2 million. Uh, and I do not think the Red Wings are going to make such a move. He has already turned down a six year deal with the Habs at 5 million. Um, but I, I still think that we have no idea how these contracts are going to look like this offseason. I think teams might be less likely to sign guys because it looks like, or, or teams might be more likely to sign guys because it looks like the world's going back to normal, but they might be less likely to sign guys because they're inches closer towards the cap wall than they were last year. Um, and the Canadians have 59 million committed in cap uh, for 22, 23. That's two years out. They have 70 million in cap commitments for next year. They have $10.6 million free to sign uh, Denault, Armia, Lekkonen, Kakniemi, and then also feel the roster. Like it's doable, but we already know that he turned down that deal. Habs are going to be hard pressed to do a, a much better offer. And so why not see if he takes three years at 7.25, 7.5. Majority of the guys who you are going to end up paying in the Red Wings organization haven't started their ELCs yet or are at the very beginning stages and you're not going to need to pay them money. Like I think Heronic and uh, Zadina, and then we'll maybe throw Verona in that category too, are the only guys on the roster right now who look like they have any sort of big money coming to them in the next three years. And so I think it's okay to uh, make this move because even if the Denault signing ends up being a disaster, even um, if he's absolutely awful, you only have him for three years, but you also have the inverse of that, which is if you sign it for three years, he'll have the chance to play for another contract at the age of 31, which should be a pretty good deal to him considering the circumstances. And you know that you're going to get a guy who's playing for a contract. So uh, take a breath. Holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> no, lot to unpack there. I'm just strictly speaking on Dino, like, and it's Dino, but it's it's this is the first time in the history of this podcast that I have a name right, and you said Dino. I said Dino. French Canadian? No way. Dino. Whatever. Well, you know the L and T was the L and T was, um, Matt. Right. You know. Right. Right. Okay. But like <laughs> McKinnon. And Shifley both say, like, this is the hardest center to play against. Yes. He's phenomenal. I yes. love him. I hope he gets paid. Um, I did not know that he already turned down a deal for Montreal. That's going to be a huge loss for them if he doesn't sign. Yeah. Him. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, I'd, I'd absolutely love to have him. I think Chicago had him and traded him, which is mm-hmm. absolutely baffling to me. But I mean, that's Stan Bowman, but we're getting, I'm getting off target. Sorry. Go ahead, Scott. Do you have anything else? Yeah, no, I mean that. Yeah. I agree with everything. Like, like obviously that would be huge. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure he's uh, like Nolan said, I'm not sure he's like a blank check guy where you just like, Hey, write down any number. And oh that's, yeah, definitely. But not. like at the same time, I, I mean, again, with our salary and, and, cap and, situation. Or Hey, like, what if, what if he wanted to do a Taylor Hall thing? What if he came and was like, would, would you be okay with giving to know 8 million for a year? Cause I would be like, I, I don't, I don't see any I don't see risk not. to that. You I know what I'm saying? Like, 
What? I just don't think I don't think that's I don't think a defensive player is worth eight million a year. Like Taylor who cares? Hall's fine. Who cares? He was supposed to. But who cares? 40 goals for him. Like what? It's one year though. It's like, one year. Like they have the Red Wings have fifty million dollars in cap space heading into next season. And we need to start talking about that more because we might see some of these deals. I don't yeah, we saying for certain. Uh yeah, but do you like I don't think that Steve Eisman has the clamps on him like Alabila does. I refuse to believe that. Yeah, fair enough. Like there's just no chance. And it, plus in a salary cap sport, I I I agree. Fair enough. I don't think. Yeah. Um, and like you need they're, they're gonna have, like I said before, like they're gonna have to do work to reach the cap floor. So right. yeah. I have I have no idea. But like I said, like it, around, baby. This, exactly, exactly. That's exactly where I'm at. Give them one year, 10 mil. I don't care. It does not matter. That's what people are like. That it does not matter. Uh let's talk to folks about that. You know what? Actually, Ethan. I would say that's a pretty good bet to make. Oh, if only they could wow. make it at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Unfortunately, they have to wait until uh, August. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action uh, at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC, MMA action. So before the next pitch, Head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. We use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online. Let's go to play in this period. All right, segment three here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are looking at some UFA targets for the Red Wings this summer, some potential UFA targets for the Red Wings this summer. Uh, we are getting into the defenseman group now. Just went over the forwards. Uh, before we do that, got to tell you guys, go follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. We're not compromised on that account. Uh, and subscribe each and every morning. When you wake up, you'll have a new episode waiting for you, uh, ready for your morning commute. So be sure to do that. Leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating. Give us some hugs. Give us some kisses. Whatever you want to do. Um, defenseman, who wants to lead us off? I can lead us off, actually. I went last in the last one. Um, and mine's kind of boring. And I know, uh, yeah, you guys are much more interesting than mine. Um, okay. I have uh, a left defenseman from the Vegas Golden Knights and a Rochester native. Alec Martinez, he turns 34 at the end of July. Last contract was six years, $24 million, shoots left-handed. Um, why do you make this signing? I think because he could be a temporary first-pair D-man for you and Sider's first-year defensive partner. Uh, he ranks in the 93rd percentile for offensive production, 5v5. Over the last three years, um, he would automatically become a top-pair D-man on your team, and he might not be a league-standard first-pair D-man. Um, but I think he, he complements Sider's style of play. Obviously, Styles a more physical, uh, defensive defenseman. Uh, but he can also get involved in the rush. And I think that a partner like Alec Martinez would suit him well because he can sit back and let Alec Martinez jump in the rush or he can get involved in the offense with him. I think there are a lot of things um, that that situation would bring to the table. Alec Martinez played 22 minutes, 34 seconds a game last season. So he's not exactly starting to decline just yet. And he's a two-time cup winner. Uh, and ideally by the time he starts to decline Chalowski or somebody, or, you know, whoever is able to slide in uh, to your top pair on that left side. Um, but even, even if it 
it doesn't necessarily work out. I if he ends up being a a really good top four defenseman on your team, I still really like the idea of relying on him more than uh, DeKaiser. Because if DeKaiser gets hurt again or he just isn't playing well and Chalowski isn't playing well, then the left side of your blue line is completely screwed. Um, and you have zero offensive options on your blue line at all, except for Philip Peronic and sometimes Troy Stetcher at world championships. Are you okay with him being a cap liability in the last three years of his deal? So that's kind of what I was, we'll get to that. I evolving con or evolving hockey's contract production uh, projection has him at about a 24% chance of taking a four year deal. So that those are his like best odds. Um, 17% chance of a three-year deal, 80% chance at a two-year. I think if you can get him for three years or under um, and for 4 million or under, I, I just, I think it's a really good deal to take. Jeff Petrie, 34 years old, signed a new deal this offseason. Guess what? He comes out. He looks like a Norris winning defenseman uh, to start the year. He had a very, very good season with Montreal. They rely on him for everything. Um, I think the only one downside to Martinez is his defensive plays in the, the bottom 10 percentile defensively because the shorthanded numbers aren't great. Uh, but five V five there's, there's pretty much a watch wash. Um, now the Red Wings did sign another two-time cup winner defenseman uh, on a three-year deal with a similar MO to the wings after his age 33 season. And yes, the Trevor daily experience was not good. Uh, but the five V five numbers, when you look at them defensively, um, they're astronomically different and, and daily wasn't nearly as effective offensively coming into that age 34 season. So I don't really think you'll end up with a similar situation there, but Alec Martinez three or four years at under 4 million. I think that's a good deal. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Yeah. As long as uh, like Ethan said, as long as the, the years are right, I don't mind it at all. I mean, the, the biggest thing is just, we need, I think it is very important to get defensive depth this off season. I think that that is um, of the utmost, I mean, really everything is like the utmost, like we need, we need, we need talent. Um, do you want me to just like run into mine? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so Dougie Hamilton was mine. Obviously I said in the last one, um, one, one tame one, one not tame one. This is obviously the, the not tame. I think being able to lock down your presumed top line D pairing for the next five, six years is unbelievably valuable. This team, as we said, has like $50 million in cap. So we can more than afford this, the, the big contract that he's obviously going to get. Um, I think it's also a really good pairing. One of the best, offensive scoring, uh, offensive production, pr production. Yeah. That, that sounds right. So it feels yeah, weird to say, word. but like, yeah, <laughs> defenseman paired with Mo, I think is a great combo to have. And, and like I said, I, I think then you're not putting so much pressure on the development of the defensive kids that you have coming up and, and the people that have been forced to play much larger roles than probably they should in the last year or two. And if something does come out of them, great. Now you have insanely good defensive depth. And if it doesn't, it if they don't rather, it does not matter because you have your top line defensive pairing locked up for the next five, however many years you sign them for, five to even seven. Like I, I don't really care. I'm I'm totally okay with 
with throwing a ton of years at him. I, I, I think that locking up that, that top line defense is unbelievably valuable. You know, I never thought it was really an, a possibility, but I love the idea of it. I it's mean, probably I, not a possibility. No, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, I absolutely love the thought of having him on our team. I mean, it would just, it would help. Okay. Okay. Let me stop this right here. What is the difference between signing Dougie Hamilton this season and signing Tory Krug last off season? Cause you were uh, vehemently against that. And I think the further along you get into your rebuild, like the less likely you should be to hand out a contract like this, because you just added another year where people might need to get paid and that log jam might might jam something up and i'm not against i'm not in principle against a dougie hamilton signing i just don't feel comfortable with the idea of signing a guy like this to so much term a free agent and i and i understand everything he brings to the table he could be 100 worth every single cent of his contract but when you don't know who you're going to have to pay and when you're going to have to pay them to make a decision like this that could hamstring you for the future. And if you only give out one or two of these deals, do you want it to be to a free agent who's 28 or, you know, however old Dougie Hamilton He's is 28. Yeah. Um, how, how much we have $50 million in cap, how, like, but see, point. but in, in 2025, like, I think that could become an issue. And that's why like with the Dino thing, like if I'm planning it out in my head, if I'm looking at who they're going to have to pay, I don't see a scenario where, they're not going to be able to pay a Zadina or a Berggren because they paid to know, you know, like, it, and obviously that depends on the term again, but um, I, you can't, I don't think you can say that with the signing of a Dougie Hamilton contract. And if, I think if you were going to give big money to a defenseman last year was the year to do it. Um, 50 is a lot though. Like you could pay Zadina. Uh, he could be one of the highest paid forwards in the league and you could comfortably afford that and Dougie and still have money to make somebody else on the yeah, team. The but see, see, I think so that's when money, you start bro. running into problems as well. And, and of course I said, this is not going to be an issue before the year 2024. Like I like the next four years, all good, but I worry about them handicapping their cup window because they have a 35 year old defenseman who's, you know, not going to be good for a, who's not good anymore and you're paying him $8.5 million. And I understand that's a risk you take. And he, there's no reason to believe that that's going to happen, but I just, I don't like the amount of variables at play in that scenario. Well, so, so pretty much just with how hockey's set up, pretty much any free agent is going to be like, he's, he's a younger free agent. Any free agent is going to be 28 plus. So are you just are just free agents in general, just like no, no deals free agents free above $8.5 million. That is the big difference. If you're going to go out and you're going to sure. give somebody six years, $5 million, and they're a really good player, I'm cool with that. Sure. But it's sure. this I mean, kind yeah. of thing, and, and I keep coming back to that. Why wouldn't you just try and make a play for one of the defensemen last season? I, th- the I guess why I didn't want to make a move for a defenseman last season because we didn't know that Sider was going to have the year that he had and Berger was going to have the year that he had like, and like that makes a difference in your rebuild in yeah. my, in your thinking of when the rebuild could be turning a page. So last year I didn't know any of that was happening. So I didn't want to go out and put money into Krug when 
I thought it would take another year before, holy shit, cider looks absolutely amazing, but that came out of nowhere. So that was, that's my reasoning behind last year to this year. I feel that. Um, it's my yeah. Turn. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Finish this off. I think we've been recording for about a full hour now. Yeah, we're probably getting close. I'm sorry, okay. guys. Older guy. It's the same thing as what I said with Tatar, except he's a defenseman and he's six foot nine. Um, Zidane Chara. He's going to play bottom. He's going to take Alex Biega's spot. <laughs> He'll be a little bit better than him. But, like, you know, it's just another dude that's that everybody raves about in the locker room and everybody raves about his leadership and his ability to help younger players. And like Charlie McAvoy's said spoken volumes of how much he's helped him become a professional. So how would that, that'd be amazing to have Char in the room to help Cider along at least just for this year, if you want to give him a spot, I mean, understand he's only, he only played on average about like 18 minutes a night in um, Washington. But I mean, I would love to see Zidane Chara in a Red Wings <laughs> I would too. Uh, only hang up with that is would he want to come here? Because at his age, it, here's the thing about that's interesting about Zidane Chara is he's like playing for the love of game. Like he's not playing to win another cup. I don't get the sense. Like, but I also think that as yeah. long as a contender is willing to sign him, he will sign with a contender over a non-contender. Yeah. So if those if those contender options aren't out there for him, I still think he'll be like, whatever, fine, I'll go play for the Red Wings. I just want to play hockey, you know, but I think there will be options for him, especially because he's going to be commanding like a million dollars. If that like he's All probably he taking the veteran minimum. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Oh, it's, it, I, I like it. I, I'm not no, against it. I'd love I it. That would it. be such an awesome day on Twitter. Like I would I would celebrate <laughs> that as if they signed like Ovechkin, you know, like right. I would celebrate that big time but it would kind of be tongue in cheek. Um, it would be a massive F you to every Bruins fan ever. Yeah. Just so, respond any beef. You just respond with char and a wings Jersey. Like, let me get back yeah, to, <laughs> let, let me wrap up with this because I think another point about the Deneau signing is that the chance to steal him from a division rival is also really, really enticing. And I think that, and maybe I'm overthinking it here, but I feel like there is there's a thing in sports when you get spurned by the team that you like came up with and you don't get paid like you think you should, where like you want to stick it to them. And I feel like in a lot of sports, that's a very common thing where guys hit the free agent market and then they sign with a division rival. Um, I don't think it maybe happens as much in hockey. It kind of happens a lot in hockey, but um, I don't know. That, that could be another thing to think about too. I like it. So, yeah, fair. Sure. This episode <laughs> has gone on for way too long. Thank you to everybody who tuned in today. Thank you, producer Brian, for uh, sitting through this. Uh, you the man. He's already, he's already stopped the podcast. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, I can't believe you guys recorded this long. All right. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Uh, oh, we got draft profiles coming up. We're looking at uh, Jasper Wallstedt tomorrow, as well as Fabian Lysel. And we are also going to look at uh, on Thursday, Alexi Haimo Salmi. And I can't remember the other guy. We'll tell you on tomorrow's show. There's a reason to look up uh, or to listen to tomorrow's show. Um, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Hi guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Relax Down Red Wings.
your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.